We're going to be singing the blood this morning. If you know the song, we want you to sing it with us. I've been thinking about um, the blood this morning as uh, we practiced last night, and it's been going over and over and in my head. And back in the Old Testament, they had to keep bringing the lambs and sacrificing them just to push forward the sins. But one day there was a lamb that came, a spotless lamb that came. He died on Calvary, and that blood that shed is coming down to 2022, and it has never, never lost its power. Sing with us this morning.
I can get a couple ushers up here to take up offering. I'm usually in the back, so I don't know how things run in Sunday school up here. So it'll be good. We'll take care of offering, and then I'll get right into uh, the teaching this morning. Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We love you and cherish you, Lord God. We just thank you for the wonderful ability to give back to your kingdom, Lord God. We just ask that you bless the gift and the giver, Lord, and that you have all your way this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You brothers will march on out there and collect offering. Is everybody doing good on this wonderful, chilly morning? So I'm going to... So I, I normally teach from a more of a testimonial teaching. You all may be seated. Um, this is Sunday school. We're a little um, out of the box here today. It'll be all right. Um, so I normally teach from a more of a testimonial um, teaching from kind of my life's perspective on things that I've done or went through. And that's not how it's going to go today. So um, I've been dealing with the Lord on this. Uh, he laid it on my heart about a month ago before I even knew I was going to teach. But it, I thought it was going to go a different way. So if I feel like I'm, if you think I'm struggling, stumbling, or mumbling, or whatever, just pray for me. Um, because I'm really wanting to get this across in a most uh, precious manner. So um, the title for this is Humble as Our Creator. I'm going to be teaching about Humble as Our Creator. The Lord laid on my heart humble and being humble, as the more thought about humble or even being humble, the more I thought about the Almighty God. In other words, I like to call him my creator, my creator. I take it personal when I talk to God, personal. So we will we'll be starting, starting with the beginning of everything. In the beginning, God started creation. The first day, light was created. The second day, the sky was created. The third day, dried lands, seas, plants, and trees were created. The fourth day, the sun and moon and stars were created. The fifth day, hold on, I'm getting everything organized. The fifth day, creatures that lived in the sea and creatures that live, that flew, fly were created. And the sixth day, animals that live on land and finally humans made in the image of God were created. On day seven, we know the Lord took his day of rest. I'm going to start today. I wanted to lay the foundation just so I had Sister Casey read this. She said, you need to lay more of a foundation. So I listened to my wife. I laid more of a foundation. So I'm going to start in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. Very familiar. I mean, I assume anybody that's opened the Bible has read the first two scriptures. So it says in verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the Spirit of God is where I want you to really kind of bookmark that in your head, in your brain. Kind of this is what we're going to be talking about is the Spirit of God. So this is the beginning of everything as we know it. God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. This is important. This is why he is the creator because without him, there would be nothing. So now we're going to kind of lay the foundation on how great God is. God is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omnipotent. So I, 
I come from a teaching background from the youth, so I got everything written out, all the definitions and all that jazz. So omnipresent is widely or consistently encountered, common or widespread. Universal, infinite. Omnipotent, having unlimited power, able to do anything. All-powerful, almighty, supreme. Invincible, unconquerable. Listen to these words. This is, this is important. This is our God. Omnipotence. The quality of having unlimited or very great power. All-powerfulness, almightiness, supremacy. These are qualities of our Father, our God. So our God is absolute and unlimited power and worldwide. So now you all know me, I like to ask questions. So I'll just ask one this time. Why would an all-knowing, powerful, and literally everywhere God feel the need to show us what being, being truly humble means? So in other, other aspects of saying, the God that's sitting in the most high place, sitting on his throne, the world is his footsteps, is his footstool. Why would he need to come down to show us how to live the correct manner? Because hum, being humble, and I'm going to get into that, humble, having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance, respectful, submissive, low-ranking, low ranking, ordinary. Remember that. God is literally on the throne, and now he's saying, okay, they need this. They need me. They had the whole Old Testament they had all these things, they had the law, they had all this, but now it's time that I need to show them the way. So humble means to lower yourself or to show that you are modest or even ordinary or normal. So as I started to show, as I started, I showed the power of our creator and the awesomeness of the most high. Let me show you how the creator truly wanted to teach us on being humble was truly about. If you will, will you turn with me to Matthew 1, and then I'll be 20 through 21, and then 23. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord, Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is the, of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Remember, God with us. Very important to understand that the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that moved on the waters in Genesis 2, now we're going back to the beginning. Now we're going to look at Jesus. Is now robed in flesh and Mary. So our God was about to be born into this world because it says of the Holy Ghost. So what does the word of mean? Of means indicates ownership or distance from something. So literally when it says of the Holy Ghost, it means God is taking ownership Again, and it is him, because God is spirit, so he's taking ownership of this body, which we call Jesus. 
like I said, this is a little bit of a different way I go about things. I like to, I like to edify, I like to build up and stuff, but this is a little bit different. Um, and it, as I kept reading this, as I kept going through this, I could tell that the Lord was pin, pinpointing probably just one or two people in here, and I could understand that, and I was fine with that, and I still am fine with that because even if it's one, it's worth it all. So let me backtrack. Indicate ownership, distance from something is what of means. So if I'm understanding this correctly, God has taken ownership of this vessel, which becomes Jesus. And as this child becomes flesh in the womb, we realize our creator is going to be flesh as comparable to you and I. But that is just the beginning. So Jesus is born, and then so Jesus is born, and the next time we see Jesus, he's 12 years old. So if we go to Luke 2 and 42. I got a lot of scriptures, and that's another thing. I normally can only have a handful of scriptures, and I'm good, but the Lord really wanted me to bring a lot. So bear with them, because it's a lot. So Luke 42, or 2 and 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So we're now looking at Jesus at 12. And then if they want to go to Luke 2, 49 through 52. Now this is Jesus when he's 12, so keep that in your mind. And he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Was ye not that I must be about my father's business? 50. And they understood not the sayings which he spake unto them. 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all things, saying in her heart, sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So at first she didn't understand. I mean, you would think God literally being born out of you, you would understand that he's going to be about his father's business but she didn't understand in the moment. But as you can tell, and Jesus increased in verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So Jesus is building the foundation of how he's going to conquer sin, how he's going to be the Lamb of God for us, the Lamb for us. Because at 12, between, when did he start his ministry? About 30 30. So roughly 18 years has transpired now, from 12 to 18. Now he's fallen under subjection. That means he's under his mom and under his dad, and he listens to them, and he's obeying them. But on all this time, he is dealing with all these different sins. So every, so think about yourself. Think about your sin. I mean, don't, like, dwell on it, but think about what sins you have committed and say, okay, Jesus has dealt with this. So you go through all of them. The, the ones he hates, the, the things that you deal with on daily, your eyes, your, your, so when I repent, I repent of my eyes, I repent of what I said, I repent of my mind, I repent of the uh, um, things I've touched, environment I've been in, what I've put myself into and kind of caused a, a blemish to fall on God. So all those things, um, that is what Jesus is doing in these 18 years because he is sinless. I think I jumped ahead a little bit. 
give me a second. So if we go to Luke 3 and 23, I'm using scripture to show you where I'm at. Um, This is a different way, like I've said, but I want to use scripture to show you that I'm not just talking up here. Luke 3 and 23, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed. The son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. So that tells you that he's about 30. So why does this all all matter? So a 12-year-old, Jesus was about his father. So let me go out on a limb here. In 18 years, I already went all over. I already jumped ahead, so give me one second. Okay, so how do I know he was without sin? Let's just look in the scriptures. Hebrews 4 and 15. Verse 15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So infirmity or infirmities is physical or mental weakness. Weakness, hesitation, uncertainty, inconsistency, indecision. And Jesus being sinless still gets baptized. So baptism is very important to God. Even being sinless, he said, I need to be washed away. I need to do this. As a teaching for you and I. So first we fall under subjection to our parents, right? We're born. We, most of us didn't ask to be born. Uh, God did ask to be born, so that's why he birthed himself. Well, that's probably not the right term. But, so, Jesus is walking under subjection to his parents, as we should be, because it says, honor thy mother and thy father. So we should be honoring our mother and our father, and he does, right? Along the way, uh, he gets lost, or, well, they lose him. He's about his father's business, so he's in the temple as some of our children are when they're in Kids Quest or they're in Sunday school and they're late because they're at the altar praying, they're seeking the Lord, they're learning about Jesus, they're about our Father's business. So 12 years old, he gets lost and he says, okay, well, I'm about my Father's business, what's the problem? Well, we didn't know where he was. Well, but did you ask him? Did you ask my Father where I was? Because... Most of us, if we have children, we know the vicinity of where they're at. Thomas, where's, where's Lily at? Uh, she was over there. Over, I got five acres, so over there could be four acres. She's over there somewhere. Usually she's on a swing. Now, another question, where's Weston? Uh, honey, you tell me. Because I was at work the other day. Let you guys in a little bit. Casey's out there trying to move some rocks because she's impatient. Well, when a man says he's going to get to doing something, and you remind him every six months, well, 
So it takes, it takes some time. So she gets frustrated. So she's out there trying to move these rocks we're putting around the yard. And she hears, hi, Mommy. Mind you, she's on the ground under some trees. And she says, Thomas, when I looked up, he was out of our window. He's 12, by the way. He was out of our window standing there and said, hey, I found your window. It's right over the, the, the house. Casey was like, yep, I was done. I put the rake down, and I walked in the house and said, okay, Weston, what we got going on? We know the vicinity of where our child is. But, but I say all that, but God knows exactly where you're at. I joke, I, I have fun, because that's who I am. That's why it comes out this way, because God has fun with us. As my son's on the roof, God is keeping his hand of protection on him. God is saying, okay, well, your child is your child, because I created him this way. Now he's out here on a limb, out here on the roof, and your mom, I'm going to the house, honey. Okay, well, she calls me, and she's like, you ain't going to believe it. I said, well, try me. The same boy fell out of the, fell out of his closet, put a six-inch gash down his leg. The same boy jumped out of a, uh, his little playhouse, broke his collarbone. This same boy flipped a dirt or four-wheeler that he was riding on, broke his arm. Try me. I probably think I understand. Okay. Now since we got there, I looked at the watch and I, I told the Lord I I gotta, I can run. So I'll be honest, I could run through some pages of, I got eight pages up here, Bishop. I could run through these. And I was. <laughs> so I told, meditation of your heart, you know. Meditating, Lord, hey, Lord, um, give me something. Okay. So we'll go to Matthews 3 and 14 through 15. Now this, I'll, I'll kind of paint the scene here. John the Baptist is baptizing people. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and you, and comest thou to me? So you come to me, but I need to be baptized of you. Right? Verse 15. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness to fulfill all righteousness so he knew obviously he wrote it but he knew that he had to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness which is the cross which is everything we going through everything we're going through everything that we are the trials the tribulations the the, the stuff he knew he had to wash all that away right then for us He's without sin. He, Technically, if you ask me, he didn't need to. But he showed us, this is why I do it. I go, come under subjection to my parents. Come under subjection to your pastor. Um, I'll just leave that one there. Then you, um, then you fall, you know, you get in a relationship with the Lord. He's about his father's business. You fall under subjection to your leadership. And then you hear about baptism. Okay, well. If Jesus was so sinless, then why did he get baptized? To show you that you need to be baptized. Because we were born into sin, and that is what baptism does. It washes away the old you. You come out new, fresh child. 
That is why it's called being born again, because when you are washed in, his, in the water, you come out brand new. That washes away the old you, step into the new shoes. You might be crawling. You might be Holy Ghost filled blip. You know how it is. The first time you get it, it's the same two little syllables over and over and over and over and over and over. And over. Until the Lord's like, okay, you can speak this word. And that's how it happens. That's what I, I believe Jesus did. When he was born, he started crawling. I mean, if you've ever seen a meme of him standing on the bathtub water, telling mom, no. We joke, but that wasn't him. He allowed. So remember, God allowed himself to be birthed. He allowed himself to fall under subjection to his mom and his dad. Under their rules, he did this. Then the same God hangs on a cross and gets crucified for our transgression. Romans 5, 14 through 21. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if there, or sorry, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God. And the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abandoned unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification, 17, for it be, sorry, I missed the word, for if by one man's offense death reigneth by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and out of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of one that free gift came upon all men justification of life for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but their sin abounded, grace did much more abound. 21, that a sin hath reigned unto death, even as so might grace reign through righteousness into eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so go back to creation. Adam sins, right? So he eats of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and that stuff. So Adam sins. The first thing God creates that has free will, that isn't doing what is God, God's told them exactly what to do, has sinned because he's got free will. So now this was what gets in motion that God is like, okay, I got to put all these laws, all these quote unquote rules and everything in place so they can now make it to here, where I'm at, which is in heaven. Okay, well, 
that seems like a lot of process. That seems a lot tough to do. So let me just step in here. Let me step down here with you guys. Let me teach you how to live. Let me teach you why I'm about to be on the cross for you. Let me teach you because I am the teacher, God, not me. He is the teacher. He is our father. He is the spirit that dwells within us. He is everything. We are choosing to serve him. We are choosing to be under submission of our God, of the Most High. That is a choice. You have that choice. So our creator had to humble himself and take the robe of Jesus because he created something that then caused so much harm that he had to prove that it is possible to live a a sin-free life. If we have God with us, God loves us so much, he suffered for us to understand how much he loves and cares for us. He desires a close relationship with each of us and was willing, willingly putting himself to death for you to get close to him. As the waters in Genesis 2 were. When we go back to creation and his spirit is over the waters, that same spirit was on the cross. That same spirit that heard the voice that made everything into existence in six days is on that cross for your sins, for your pain, for your suffering, for everything that you are going through and everything that you will go through. It's not just a one-stop shop. We don't just repent one time. We're not just, we are baptized one time because you only need the remission of sins one time because then you have repentance. And when you fully understand what repentance means, it means when you truly kill your flesh, because that's what repentance is, you're killing the old you, you're killing sin, you're killing this body, you're, you're telling this thing that I'm taking you back under subjection of the Holy Ghost, I'm giving you back to God. Repentance of giving yourself back to the Lord, saying, I will do my very best, God, to not do that again. I will do my very best, God, to not do that again. But let me tell you something. When you fall back into that thing that you told God, I promise you, Lord, I won't do this again, and you do it again. The Lord said, and now he's starting to, now you've drove this wedge between him and you, and you could feel it. Because when you sin, you know. You know you sinned. Remember, when he put himself on that cross, that is our God. And now you drove the wedge between you and him. And now it's as easy as pulling the wedge out when you say, I am sorry, God, and rattle off whatever you did. It doesn't matter the sin. I truly believe the ones in prison, the ones that have done these terrible things are redeemable. I truly believe that when they truly repent, they truly run, because repenting is turning about face. It means you're going to go the other way. If they truly do that, they are forgiven, and they have a place in heaven. This is, this is serious, that there is a place for every one of us. My God isn't a one-size-fits-all. Sorry, my sin to me is the greatest thing ever, and i got to kill it. 
So when I tell you something, I might tell you quickly, hey, you just got to pour your guts out to the Lord and that'll be fine. I did that to one of them. And they said, well, what do I even say? I told that to one of the youth. Well, what do I even say? Then I realized I never broke down what repentance was. How do you tell the most high God who knows everything, who sees everything, who's already here, literally surrounding me right now, around you? How do you tell him what you've done? That's what humility does. That's what being humble does. You're saying, Lord, I messed up because you are perfect. I will close with this final thought. Man, I might hit just on time. It's a good day when you, when you get real close to the time you're supposed to. So this final thought, this is all me. If it goes against what Bishop says, Bishop will fix it later. He'll, he'll hit me in the head later. It'll be all right. Every time. I ran from him earlier. He'd come over there to the elders. He's starting to beat on one of them. I said, I got to go. I'm next. I love my bishop. I love him. I cherish him. I just can't imagine God sending his son to do his dirty work with dying on the cross for our sins. The reason why I can't imagine it because I look at Abraham and he took his son up the mountain to sacrifice him to the Lord. But God sent a ram in the thicket for him to sacrifice instead. So I myself would never ask Weston to go die for me. You understand me? Like I, as a father, would never say, Weston, go die for me as I sit on my throne doing nothing we put that image in our head sometimes that God sits up there and does nothing but I want you to tell you right now when he's everywhere he's in everything he's already here so I would never tell my son you go die for me and I'll live a kosher pure or lush life no so God so I can only imagine Jesus as God because of a perfect God would never need his son to die without him dying first our God is amazingly humble he literally stepped this is where the humility everything comes out he steps from the throne to where we are to live like you and I do because to show you from point A to point B of your death. This is how you're supposed to live. And it is difficult at times. You might have to scold some people say, I'm about my father's business. And you still fall under subjection to them. And then through the 18 years, deal with so much torment, so much struggle, so many different things. But God did all that. And he did it sinless. Like that means he didn't even, he just said, go away, go away. You're not even, no, you stay over there. Lazarus, you stay over there. You ain't going to die yet. Right? He already knows. I don't know where he's. Humbleness is the beginning of everything. If you can humble yourself and cry out to the Lord, I am a sinner, Lord. Please forgive me. Please love me. I will love you. 
awesome. I finished a tad early, but as we move into the second service, remember humbleness. No matter what you're doing in the present, uh, in God's kingdom, be humble to him. You are not higher than anybody. You're not stronger or more powerful in the spirit than anybody. All gifts are subject to God. We are falling under subjection to God. We are one body. We are one mind. We are one accord. Everything we do needs to be to glorify God in every manner. I love you all. Thank you, and God bless. Yeah, we got a, so 11.15 service is in seven minutes, so if you guys need to use the restroom or powder your nose, I don't even know if that's a thing. Love you all. Be friendly. Bye.
You don't answer all my questions, but you hear me when I speak. You don't keep my heart from breaking, and when it does, you weep with me. You're so close that I can feel you when I've lost the words to pray. And though my eyes have never seen you, I've seen enough to say. I know that you are good. I know that you are kind. I know that you are so much more. I don't understand the sorrow, but you're calm within the storm. Sometimes this weight is overwhelming, but I don't carry it alone. You're still close when I can't feel you. I don't have to be afraid. And though my eyes have never seen I've seen enough to say I know that you are good I know that you are kind I know that you are so much more Than what I leave behind I know that I am loved I know that I am safe
Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Can you make the commitment today that you love the Lord and you won't take it back? Let's raise our hands to heaven one more time and give him glory and honor. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Oh, Lord, we're not here by accident this morning, but we're here on holy ground because you're meeting us here. And we appreciate your presence. Hallelujah. I feel the goodness of the Lord moving in this building this morning. Amen. And I don't just say that for effect. I feel the Lord in this building this morning. Praise the Lord. If you feel him, can you give him a wave offering? Hallelujah. Oh, the devil doesn't like it. We're acknowledging the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You hung between heaven and earth for our sins. Praise the Lord. I pray that you've had a good week. Pray that you got a good week coming up. God is so good to me. I can't complain. Amen. We're going to bow our heads and pray for the service moving forward. And we're going to take up an offering if the ushers can get geared up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, look, we know that we're here today for a special purpose. I wish today I could say that it was an accident that any of us are here. But you said the steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. I pray today that we continue to walk knowing that you are guiding us every step of the way. Hallelujah. Every song, every word, every dollar, every penny. Lord, let it be for your glory. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm asking you to touch everyone from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Amen. Show us, Lord, how much we matter to you. And we'll give you the praise for all of it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your wonderful name. Hallelujah. I'd like to ask you to march and give your tithe and offering this morning. They're going to take it up. Lord bless you. As the musicians, go ahead. Hallelujah.
Sister Casey and I, Sister Casey, we come up here, please. Sister Casey and I are over the Sunday school now, and we are also the youth leaders. So we have the honor to give out these certificates. Please wait um, to uh, applaud at the end, please. First one up, and when I call your name, come on up here right beside Sister Casey on her right, which will be your left. I, you got to help them out. The first one is Luke Morgan. They didn't, they didn't listen. They, they didn't listen. The next one's Weston Bailey. These are now in the youth class. So they're now Sister Casey's. A Miracle Parks. Come here. Kingdom Kids class. A Miracle. Kingdom Kids. She's in the preteens class. And then last but not least, we have Kylan Brown. Come on up here. They had cake pops today in class. Everybody got them. So please help us bring them to the next class. Thank you. Hallelujah. Who's excited for them kids? We, are, we, tr we love them children. 
I have the honor to bring up our bishop today. Who loves your bishop? Praise God. Please don't put him on the spot like that. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, how many is excited today? Well, that's not very exciting. If you're only halfway excited, amen, amen. How many believe he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think? Come on, how many have the power, amen, to call upon the name of Jesus? How many know that when you call upon the name of Jesus, come on, the situation will change? Amen, 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 amen. Well, normally I get up here and say I have good news and bad news, but I have good news and good news today. Look at your neighbor and say, well, that's different. Amen, amen. Last week... We got the privilege uh, to baptize uh, Sister Tori Purdue in the precious name of Jesus. Would you come forward? The other exciting news is she got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. At women's conference. Come on. Give the Lord praise today. Praise God. Amen. Thank the Lord. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, he's able. And he's willing. And he's willing. Amen. I love the song they just sang. Amen. Because it kind of ties into the message today. And to be very honest, for the last couple of days I've been wrestling with this message and Lord, you know, uh, privileged today to have both my sons in service and almost all my grandkids except the wild man, Oakland. Uh, he had to stay back with his mother, but uh, amen. S- Sister Bell, would you stand up? Sister Bell, stand up. Stand up. I want everybody to see. See how pretty she is? And she's kind of taken. Yeah. I throw that in there for you, Owen. Throw that in there for you. Amen. No, they've been together for uh, love her to death. She's the only granddaughter. Uh, amen. She's uh, driving and getting older. and Man, it just uh, breaks Pappy's heart. We have a new addition, Jack. Amen, Jack. And he's on his way, I believe, to Disney World. So uh, this, is, this is spring break or yeah, fall break week. I wish it was spring break. Yeah, it's fall break week. There's a lot of folks traveling, a lot of folks on their way, amen, to different destinations, and we're thankful for that. Um, uh, our biggest thing, our biggest thing, Sister Lorna, we might get to go visit Autumn down in Kentucky. That's about as good as it gets this week, amen, a couple of days. So pray for us if we head that direction. Uh, with her work schedule and things, that we want to make sure that we can spend some time there. But I'm thankful today for you. Look at your neighbor. Amen. Smile at him. Amen. Thank you. Grab your Bible. We're going to get into the Word of the Lord. Um, I don't feel. I don't feel to be lengthy today. I really don't. I feel like uh, 
It's really a, just a short message. We have made some changes in the church, and we've been uh, looking to make those announcements. We had our staff meeting, and we haven't really made the announcement uh, since, but uh, Brother Thomas and Sister Casey, they're going to take on the dual role because we felt felt like Sunday school and uh, the youth really should be kind of combined in one way so that they can make sure someone over them can make sure that they're all uh, being busy and having things done. So uh, we've put them. Give the Lord a good hand for Brother and Sister Case, Brother and Sister Bailey today. Amen. Sister Wander, wave your hand. She's our new addition to the trustee department. Thank God. Amen. She added to our trustee department. Amen, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss somebody for sure, others, uh, there's a lot of others there, but we'll, we'll make those announcements as we, as we can here, amen. Psalms chapter 11, Psalms chapter 11, amen, David's psalm here, amen, just a few moments, I believe that God wants to speak to some folks today. Uh, I did not coordinate with our worship team, but that last song, uh, Trusted Him, uh, sums up this psalm today. Psalms chapter 11, verse number 1. Good to have uh, Sister Linda. That you, Believe it or not, that's my wife's sister right there. She is. Give the Lord a good hand for her today. Amen. Amen. And there's uh, a fellow there, that tall fellow back there. Oh, man, good to see you here today. God bless you. Amen. We're so thankful. I better stop. Psalms chapter 11, verse number 1. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Now, I don't know who's given, uh, had given David this advice, but in that statement there alone, amen, it's bad advice and good advice, but I'll just leave it at that. In the Lord, in the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, and they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately, privately shoot at the upright in the heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, the, his eyelids try the children of men. Verse number 5, the Lord trieth the righteousness, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible temptus. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance do behold the upright. Going back to verse number one, if you'll put that back up there. Just the very, very first words. I, in the Lord, put I my trust. Somebody say, I'll trust the Lord. Thank you. You could be seated. When you talk about the word trust, uh, I smile because uh, I'm still learning. Uh, I've, on occasions over the last 30, 35 years in ministry, uh, have said I trust the Lord, and 
This church knows my favorite scripture that I use and have had to lean on is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. But when it comes to trust, trust is an exhaustive subject. Look at your neighbor and say it is. But trust is common to everyone. How many understand? It's common to everyone on some basic level of life. Every one of us, in some way, shape, or form, we have to put some kind of trust in something. We have to trust our automobiles. We have to trust going down the highway, that 18-wheeler just a foot or two next to us. We have, to put a, we have to trust getting on an airplane. The Lord meant you to fly, he'd give you wings. Think about it. I mean, trust in a lot of ways. Of course, there's other, other things about trust. And I believe every person, whether you're a believer or whether you're an unbeliever, everyone, trust has to deal with trust in some way. Some trust in money. Some trust in their material possessions. Some even trust in drugs. And I'm not talking about people on drugs. I'm talking about we that have to take drugs to try to get back to our health back. You follow me? Sometimes we have to put our faith and trust in things. Amen. Power. And even sometimes we put our faith or our trust in people. Look at your neighbor and say, I trust you. I hope you do. But I guess I, I just want to make sure I emphasize uh, everyone places trust in something, don't we? Now, trust in the Old Testament, it conveys the idea of the words that we use in the New Testament concerning faith and belief. Old Testament trust in the New Testament is linked to our faith and belief. And that's what we read in the New Testament a lot about faith and about believing. Uh, and when you look at these uh, terms, it simply just reaffirms or affirms uh, a firm belief in something. A faith or a trust in something means I have a firm belief in it. Uh, a faith or a trust means I have confidence in it. Know that it's going to be work. It's going to be there. David here, he writes in Psalms 11. He says, in the Lord put I my trust. And the thing that stood out to me the most is David made it personal. Because he not only says I, but he says my. He said, I put my trust in God. I put my faith in Him. Amen. I put my faith and my trust, my trust. I trust the Lord. It's easy to say sometimes until you have a hard battle, until we don't know what's going on. Come on. But I believe all of us have to put our faith and trust in something. So truthfully, it's not whether a person will have trust, but it's the question is simply this. In what or in whom will we place our trust? I don't just give my trust to anybody or anything. In fact, the older I get, the less I trust. 
Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes uh, in our life's experience, we get burnt or we get used or, or we make bad choices. And whether it's our finances, our material possessions, or, or somebody else, we uh, kind of get that experience where we, you know, our trust may diminish. But one thing when it comes to God, our trust should increase. The more we see the things unfolding in our generation right now, amen, the more we see the darkness, uh, amen, that seems to be overshadowing our great United States of America. You know what? We should put our faith and trust in God, amen, not just on a dollar bill, uh, not just on our coins, uh, but our faith and trust in God should rise because His Word is coming true. It's in what or whom we put that trust. It should be in the Lord. Now, today I really want to emphasize, I want to point out, trusting God is paramount to our salvation. We Listen, I'm, there's just so much distrust in the world today that it's affecting salvation. Come on. What keeps people from church? What keeps people from serving the Lord? Come on. Could it, be, could it be you or I? Could it be something that's going on in the world? I don't know. But I have found out when things go on in the world, people feel something. Usually they get to the church. Because even people that are, don't believe or don't know much about the Word of God, they feel something in this world and say, something's happening. Something's taking place. But... I believe trusting God is paramount to our salvation because trusting God must proceed, get this, must proceed, must come before salvation. I've got to believe in the Lord. I've got to believe in the message before I can receive it. we got to hear it. we got to have faith in it. Come on, how we view God, how we trust God determines, uh, amen, how close to God we're going to get. I'll tell you experience, and I forgot all about this experience, but the Lord brought it back to my mind. When I first started serving the Lord, I mean, we, I mean, we used to have some doozies. I mean, back in the day, I think you've heard my wife testify, we had... A uh, sister in the church. And when she starts that, you look out because it's getting ready. It's happening. Church will break out. I mean, it just sounds silly, don't it? But I remember one of the greatest experiences I had in the Holy Ghost where, I mean, I cut me a shine. I mean, I took off down the altar. Woo! Man, I felt like I could whip the devil if he would step out in front of me. But I also learned by experience right after that, while I was in that moment, I could whip. But after that, he shows up and wears me out. I mean, went through a battle. Horrible. And I'm saying that to say this. Sometimes when we experience something, it affects What's going to come or what could come? Because now, now listen to me close. Now when I would feel that experience come upon me, my mind would go to look out. 
I think I'll wait. I think I'll hold back. Because in our mind and what we experience, we withhold that trust. Come on. God bless. God's doing something. Uh, amen. But something in our mind says, listen, I remember the experience. Uh, and so now my faith and my trust and my belief now has been altered. Oh, I'm, I, I feel like the Lord's speak, speaking to the church today. Come on, not just unbelievers, but to the church. We've got to get back to where we trust the Lord with all of our heart. And lean not to my, oh, I don't know how some things worked out. I don't know why God has to go all the way around, amen, to get my attention. Maybe it's just me. Look at your neighbor and say, it is. It is. Because faith in God must be accompanied by our faith response. God will pour you out a blessing. Come on, we open the windows of heaven and pour you out. Just man, bloom, bloom, bloom. And while we're in that blessing, it's great. Because everything that God does, you better believe the devil sees and knows what's going on. Can I say it this way? God knows. God knows who you are, right? God knows where you're at. God knows the end from the beginning. And if God knows that, sometimes, listen, sometimes we've got to also realize the enemy sees that God loves you and wants to bless you what appears to be maybe more than somebody else. I mean, in my blessing in the church, woo, I mean, I felt good, and I don't know what everybody else was doing. It didn't matter at the time. But then after the after experience, uh, amen, guess what? It tried to hinder. That's why when the Holy Ghost is poured out, it's by the tongue. It's by the tongue. It's taking control. Amen. It's allowing the control of our tongue. Amen. The Lord, the, the Spirit to, to move and minister. As the Spirit gives the utterance. Because we're taught to control. We're, we're taught to keep in control. And we're taught, you know, it's, it don't sound right. It sounds different. Of course it does. And of course it should. Think about it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved. What saved means? Mean? It means delivered. For by grace are you delivered. How? Through faith and not of ourselves. I've been delivered, not anything that I do. Come on, what we feel here today is not anything that we do. We just allow the Spirit of God to have His way. Those that do. Come on, I don't care who you're next to. I don't care, I don't care who's in service. Uh, amen. You've got to come with the mind uh, that I'm going to worship the Lord. Uh, I'm going to worship the Creator. I'm going to worship Him. It doesn't matter. Why? Because I'm giving to Him my worship. What I believe He's worth and worthy of. Because He has been good to me. He has been. So we're saved by grace. Why? How? Through faith. Faith means I've got to trust. I've got to believe. I've got to, I've got to know that God's, going to, God's doing what he's supposed to do, and we've got to allow him to do it. 
Salvation is by grace. How? Through faith, through trust. If you don't trust the Lord, if you don't trust the message, if you don't trust the preaching, if you don't trust, guess what? You're in trouble. Even though it's a gift. Even though the scripture tells us in the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon them. It's happening. Many are allowing it. Many are not. And I, I, I remember thinking this weekend, growing up, somebody triggered this this week. I remember growing up, uh, something was said. I remember growing up, uh, there's some, some faith that would never embrace speaking in tongues. Now they do. Because you can't get away from it. Because it's happening. It's being poured out in churches, uh, amen, that never even believed or taught it. People begin to seek about the truth and seek about the Spirit. And God pours out His Spirit upon those that trust Him. Listen, get to inquiring by tongues and see what happens. It'll get you. Dig into the word about speaking in tongues. Get into the word about being baptized in Jesus' name. It'll get you. Because I don't know how many testimonies I've heard in my life of people that uh, their wives or their husband had witnessed to them about baptism in Jesus' name. And so privately, they wouldn't ever do anything. But privately, they started digging. And it got them. They seen Jesus' name. Salvation is by grace. What's the biggest hindrance today? Don't look at your neighbor. You see, you have to test to see if people are listening. What's the biggest hindrance today? Human nature. It is. It's the biggest hindrance today, human nature. Why? Because human nature makes it hard for a person to trust in something they cannot see. It's our human nature not to trust certain things because I can't see it. I can't control it. I can't reason it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on. Just because you can't feel something doesn't mean that there's not something there. How many believe right now there's spirits? Uh, right now there's angels encamped around about us. Right now. How many? You don't see them, but how many really believe it? How many believe that God does love you enough that He's right? I'll never leave you nor forsake. He's right here. We say it, but He's right there. If you're like me, our human nature says, oh, I see the problem. That's all I see is the problem. You see, I don't see the solution because it may be a godly solution. All I see is the problem. All I, all I see is the hindrance. Human nature. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. If you're Listen, I, I feel like today the Lord's trying to really... Let some people know, not just one, some people know, if you're trying to figure it out yourself, stop. If you're trying to reason it out, stop. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Put your trust in the Lord and watch what he'll do. Ooh, I feel that. Come on, lift your hand all over. I feel that. Come on, somebody receive that right now. If you'll trust the Lord, come on, if you'll trust the Lord, doesn't he say he'll give us? Our heart's desires? Doesn't he say to ask and it shall be given? Come on, knock. Seek. Hallelujah. Come on. 
Human nature gets us because we, we can't see things happening like we want them to happen. That's why trust is faith. Hebrews 11, 6, you know, the, they, they call it the, the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, now say it with me, without faith, without trust, without faith, without trust, it's impossible to please Him. Who's Him? The Lord. It's impossible. Are you, listen, listen to what the Lord's saying. It's impossible to please Him if we don't trust Him. If we don't have faith, oh, listen, this, this is to the preachers. This is to every one of us. It doesn't matter whether we're believers or unbelievers. It doesn't matter what we've gone through or going through. If we can't learn to trust the Lord, trust Him, guess what? It's impossible to please Him. And I'm going to ask you a stupid question. How many want to please the Lord? I believe we do. I believe we do. But if we're not careful, human nature will get us the place to where we're not pleasing to God because we're not putting our faith and trust in Him. Without faith it's impossible to please Him, the Lord. For he that cometh to God must believe, must trust that He is. That He is what? He is God. He's salvation. He's our saving grace. He's your ticket out. Come on. He's not in the business of the temporal. He's in the business of eternal. That's what salvation is. Come on, it's eternal. That he is and that he is a what? A rewarder. What's a rewarder? A giver. A giver of them that diligently show care, seek after him. We've got to care about it. We've got to seek after him. Diligently means we care enough to inquire. We ain't care enough. We care enough to come. We care enough to pray. We care, come on. We care enough to tarry. The Lord showed me how to weave this together. Acts chapter two, verse thirty-six. Not long. Acts chapter two, verse thirty-six. A point I want to point out. We know what just took place. We know what took place here prior to this. The Lord was crucified. And now every every nation, every tongue that was available were present. And there were things unfolding. But look what Peter says. Now, again, trust. Our trust. Verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Pretty powerful words right there from the preacher. But notice, because trust, trust kicks in. Verse 37, now when they... Heard this. They heard it. Just heard it. After going through some experiences and probably getting all caught up in it and feeling pretty good about it, now the man of God, now the preacher says, listen, you just crucified the Lord, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard that, guess what? They were pricked in their heart. It affected them. 
and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, here we go, what shall we do? Come on, when are we going to trust and when are we going to believe the word or the man of God or the things that God said? When are you going to believe it enough to say, what do I do? Come on, stop this nonsense of trying to reason out. What do I do now? How do I fix this? Look at it. And oh, they, they just heard. Well, you know, Peter, he just one of them big mouth preachers. But some people call it today. Shame on you. Shame on you for talking about a man of God. You hear me? I don't care what message he preaches. I don't care whether it tickles you or not. Peter, he stood up and he said, listen, you just, you just let all the house of Israel. Listen, you've got to understand this is what happened. And they said, listen, what do we do now? They were pricked in their heart. And Peter, he said to them, he said, repent. Look at this, verse 38. We repent. All you got to do is ask forgiveness. You see, we hear that all the time. I don't need to have some preacher. I don't need to have somebody telling me what to do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Not because I say it, because it's in the book. I'm going to show you here at the end. Yes, you do. You need to hear the message. They needed to hear the message. Or the, look at me. They needed to hear the message. Or they would have never changed. Would have never addressed it. Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you. Hey, I didn't have to... I'm just along for the ride. Usually what happens is, oh, I'm not in that. He said, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's wonderful. That's great if you believe it. Maybe this is why our children today is not being affected. Now here's the key. Verse 41. Let me do verse 40 first. And with many other words did he testify and exhort. You see, you know, stop. We don't have to call everything preaching. Peter just testified and exhorted. Come on. I'll have to get on some things right now. I have to write to exhort. The word of God. You got the right to testify. Look at this. He said with many other words saying, save yourself from this untoward, from this crooked generation. Now put up verse 41. Here's the key. Matter of fact, go ahead and come to music. Here's the key. Then they that, what? Gladly received his word were baptized. Didn't say everybody. Didn't say everybody. Didn't say everybody. They that gladly received his word were baptized. And guess what? That same day they were added, what? 3,000 souls. Faith and trust means that when the word of God is expounded, you see, because 
They didn't have uh, the resources to go back and check what Peter was saying here. Because this is fresh. You follow me? You see, now we got the Bible. We can go back. Old te- we can thread everything through. We, we've got history and we've got things. Uh, amen. We can even Google it now. Amen. And find out some things. But the bottom line is when they heard it, they had to decide whether they believed it. And see, when you decide that you believe something, what do you do? You put your faith and trust in it. What do you do? You save yourself. What do you mean, preacher? You do it. Come on, it's not a a matter of should I be baptized? You should be baptized. You should fall at an altar and repent. Ask God to forgive you. He'll forgive you. And then the act of faith, you get up and you get baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's His blood that redeemed you in the first place. Look at it. They heard. When they gladly received. Look what actually takes place here. When they heard, they asked, what do we do? Peter told them, repent, be baptized. That's what you do. Well, I'll wait till next Sunday. I'll wait till a convenient time. We don't have we don't have the promise of tomorrow. I've been talking to the Lord about that. We're, we've been given a, a set of time. What is it that I'm supposed to accomplish in my time set? Whatever time that's been given, come on. We need to ask God this maybe more often. What is it that needs to be accomplished before before my my, my days? You know, it's a point that a man wants to die. Before that happens, what is it? You see, we don't think about that when we're young. We think we got all of life. Just don't happen that way. But they that gladly received, guess what? They believed, they trusted. What were they? They were baptized. When you believe something and you trust something enough, what will you do? You will do it. Come after the Lord. They gladly received the message of Peter, and they had to. Faith that had the faith that had to put trust and faith to believe and then do. Last scripture, Romans chapter 10. In fact, stand with me. We say this, we say this, and we say this. Does it ever really matter to some today? Look at this. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. I'm cutting it short. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. You've got to believe first. You've got to believe it first or you're not going to do it. Look at it. How then, verse 14, here's the question. And some of you need to hear this really from the Lord today. This ain't Brother Purdue. This is the Lord trying to reach some folks. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You can't say you believe in Jesus Christ if you don't, if you believe enough, you'll do it. If you believe enough, you'll trust it. If you believe it enough, you'll be baptized. When they gladly received the word, they did. How then shall they believe, call on him in whom they have not believed? How? Because if you don't believe it, you're not going to do it. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear? Hear this. I'm not, 
I don't have to send my own flag. You didn't call me. God did. I don't answer to people. I answer to God. Oh, Lord, I know that's some different theology for some of y'all. You answer to God. He calls. How? How? How should they? How should they hear without a preacher? Can I toot my own horn for just a second? Give the Lord a good hand for me. Thank God for ministry. Thank God for preachers. How can they hear except there be a preacher? Not everybody's preaching truth. Not everybody cares about your soul. They're more worried about your flesh and what you can give and what you can do in your flesh. It's about your soul. Your soul's going to spend somewhere for all eternity, not just a few years. Come on. We get mad at the preacher because he tells us the truth because it's about your soul. Stop patting each other on the back and say, oh, we're all right. We're not. Because we're not doing. We're not doing. How shall, how shall they preach except they be sent? Choose this. My God, if I chose this as a living in the early years, we wouldn't have made it. don't preach for money we don't because it was written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things but they have not all Isaiah says who hath believed our report verse 17 so then faith trust believing faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God would you lay a hand on your heart all over this house today Come on, I'm, I'm telling you, God is speaking to you. He is speaking to you. How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? You haven't trust. Guess what? Your actions say you don't trust because you haven't done. Because if you believe that you'll do it. Come on, cut through all the chase. Well, I'm trying to get my life. No, you're not, you don't get your life.